People sometimes say to me, why would you want your kids to be a lawyer? I hate being a lawyer. Who would want their kid to be a lawyer? I tell my kid, be anything but a lawyer. And I tell them, I love it. I love being a lawyer. I think it's the best profession in the world to fight for other people and be able to make a difference. So nothing would make me happier than my kids being a lawyer. Welcome to the Tip the Skills podcast, where we discuss running and growing your law firm. I'm your host, Maria Monroy, president and co-founder of LawRank. Today, I am joined by the one and only Gary Dordick. I am so excited that I finally got to sit down with him. We talked about the future of law. We talked about parenting, what it's like to work with his kids, what he does to stay healthy because he looks amazing and he's 61. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Gary Dordick, the yes. one and only. It's a Hello. pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, thank you. I know I've been nagging you to do this, so... I wouldn't say nagging, but we've we've been trying to get it together for a while. I know. Well, finally, here we are, live at Lottie Girl. Yeah, isn't it? It's just amazing here today. So, Gary, I have a personal question for you. Okay, I'm ready. How old are you? I turned 61 in April, and uh, I feel like most of my life I looked at 61 like, that is fucking old. And now I look at 61, and I think, I think it, it feels like, 41, really. I think that and nowadays with good health and quality of life and learning to make the most out of life, and I know it's cliche saying it's just a number, but it really is. You see people 50, 60 years old that are miserable and, and, and having a terrible quality of life, and you see people uh, you know, 80 years old and they're out there playing pickleball and bicycle riding. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. My husband just turned 50 yesterday and you look really good. So I want to ask you for his sake, what do you do? Well, your husband turning 50 is probably significant. So you need to give him a little uh, love and encouragement because psychologically, I think for a man or a woman, when they turn 50, there's something about the psychology of maybe society looks at it like, okay, now you're officially old or now you're officially on the downslope of life. But really, that's such bullshit. That is such a uh, old way of thinking, maybe in the 50s. But nowadays, it's it's just so different. In terms of my secret to a quality of life is... Um, I did stop eating meat. I don't, I don't know that that's necessary, but I think eating healthy is important. I think that if you limit your sugar, limit your carbohydrates, and limit the amount of uh, red meat and things like that, I think the science is pretty solid. It reduces cholesterol. It reduces heart disease. It re reduces your risk of cancer. So diet's important. So I eat pretty healthy, although my weakness is I, I, I do love all the food that's bad for me. So I eat healthy, but it's a struggle. I love good food and I love dessert and I like to have uh, good wine or a martini or something. So I try to limit it. I try to limit how much of that stuff I do. And then I exercise fairly religiously. I do- I knew you were gonna say that. Well, I do hot yoga. I found hot yoga late in life. Uh, I used to- hate yoga. And I think I hated it because my wife was really into it. Like always in yoga, my daughters would go to yoga. And anytime I'd say, do you want to go to brunch? Like, no, we have a yoga class with this guy or this place or that school. Or do you want to go to the movies? No, a four o'clock yoga class. And so I complained so much, they got me a sweatshirt that said, fuck yoga. 
And I used to wear it so proudly and so defiantly. And then at one point, I guess my wife knows how to reach me. She said, you know, you really would love yoga. And I said, I don't know. And she said, look, I don't get it. It's a great workout. You're surrounded by beautiful women wearing leotards. And I don't understand why it is, or maybe you said next to nothing, but I don't understand why you would be opposed to that kind of workout. And I thought about it. I thought, you are persuasive. So that's I, why she became a lawyer. Yeah, right. There you go. She's going to take the bar in February. But so I got really into hot yoga. I liked the fact that every time I went, I stretched. What, what I think as you get older, you feel your injuries and sports injuries and all those things more. So I got to stretch. I got to the heat sort of goes deep into your muscles and it feels like you're sweating out pouring sweat, all the toxins, all the chemicals, all the alcohol or whatever it is. And every class I came out of there thinking, I feel really good. So I do hot yoga as much as I can. I have a hot yoga sauna at the house and I mix it up with weights. I miss, I mix it up with cardio. I mix it up with anything that, that's a good workout. Um, I'm, I'm into a lot of the water sports. My current favorite thing in the world, e-foil. E-foil is the electric surfboard that rides on a fin above the ocean. So you have a controller in your hand, it lifts up, and you float over the ocean, making circles and going all over the place. It's the most amazing experience. I surf, so it's a surfboard with a motor, electric motor. So I like, I'll do anything that's outdoors, fun, hike, bike. And so I think the secret, if I'd say the short answer, but that would would have been 15 minutes ago. But I think <laughs> eat well and exercise and surround yourself with uh, good company. What's it like working with your kids? Ah, working with my kids. Um, well, I guess you're seeing the way this interview is going. I'll go back uh, and tell you something totally unrelated, you'll think, and then come forward. But back in the day, I. Uh, I didn't go to college. I went from high school straight to law school, but I dropped out. This is a fact I wanted to check. Yes. Because so, somebody told me this and I was like, is that accurate? In fact, it wasn't even from high school to law school. I went to high school. I almost flunked out. I stopped. I didn't go to college and I was working as a martial arts instructor full time. I loved Taekwondo. That's all I did. And I made no money and I was starving with, with no money. So I was dating a girl whose dad uh, worked at a law firm and he gave me a job in the file room and one thing led to another and I, I went to law school. So that's true. But the point in answering your question, I loved martial arts. It changed my life. I was a lost kid flailing, getting in trouble, getting in trouble with the police, no discipline really? at all. Yeah. The police arrested, brought home. Yeah. A lot of problems. I was lost. My folks were divorced. My mom was a single mom trying to make a living. And when I went to Taekwondo, the master instructor there and the guys there, they teach you discipline. They teach you respect. They teach you the importance of those principles. And with them, you can do anything. You can break bricks. You can break boards. You can defend yourself. People look at you different if they respect you and you're able to take care of yourself and defend yourself. So it was my whole life. Seven days a week, five hours a day. That's all I did. And taught me a lot. And I think I taught kids. I went on to be an instructor. I saw it make a difference in kids' lives. They went from troubled, even if they were like seven years old, to disciplined and coordinated and athletic. So I wanted nothing more than my kids to be involved in the martial arts, the same schools, the same place. So I pushed too hard. 
and it was too important to me. And as a result, they all fought back, they all hated it, and they all dropped out almost immediately. I had five kids. It's upsetting to me. And I really looked back like, what did I do wrong? And then, so when it came to being lawyers, I had the same passion about them being lawyers. People sometimes say to me, why would you want your kids to be a lawyer? I hate being a lawyer. Who would want their kid to be a lawyer? I tell my kid, be anything but a lawyer. And I tell them, I love it. I love being a lawyer. I think it's the best profession in the world to fight for other people and be able to make a difference. So nothing would make me happier than my kids being a lawyer. But my daughter, Taylor, was pretty set on it early. My son, Dylan, thought about it, but was into, uh, he had more of an engineering kind of mind. He always wanted to know how everything worked. So I just sat back. Um, My daughter, the oldest one, Michelle, didn't want to go to law school, but also had no idea what to do, none. And so I told her, look, you don't know what to do, but you see those office buildings or whatever it is, the realtor that sold them is a lawyer. You see the newscasters on TV that you respect? They're lawyers. You see the people making the entertainment deals? They're lawyers too. So I tell you what, pick a law school. I'll pay for it. Go for one year. And if you like it, stay. If you don't like it, drop out. And she liked it. And also, I think you have to understand that they grew up in a household where we hung out, having drinks. All my trial lawyer friends came to the house. We barbecued. We told, you know, war stories. It's like who caught the biggest fish. I think they, we exaggerated more and more and more as they went along, but they'd all come to the house. My kids knew them all. They all knew my kids since they were little and they all heard us talk about and we did this and then cross-examination and then the jury came back with a verdict like this. They'd see us going out and celebrating. Why are we going out to dinner? Oh, daddy got a big verdict and we're all celebrating or daddy's friend got one and we're all going to their house. And they grew up in that environment and it, and it, it seeped into their subconscious, I think. And I think at this point now, they look at it like they would never want to do anything else. I'm happy to say, I think they all love being lawyers. And then the decision is, how do they come to work for you? I didn't hire any of them out of law school. None of them. I wouldn't. My view on that is you come right out of law school, you come work for daddy who's going to what take care of you or either be, it can go one of two ways, too nice on you or too hard on you. You're being an asshole. Uh, you don't, you're being an asshole, dad. You're treating me unfairly. It's like, no, you don't know how the real world would treat you. Or I'm too nice to them and I spoil them them and I'm not doing any good for them either. So they all worked for other people. We're at Lottie Gras. Uh, two of my kids, Taylor and Dylan, worked for Bob Simon for a number of years. Learning. I love the little infographics when they all joined that you guys were posting where they were like almost like fighting when Taylor uh, joined. It's amazing having my kids uh, work with me. Nothing makes me happier. I, I come in in the morning and I see them in the office and I see them working and I see them strategizing. And don't get me wrong, when they were kids, they fought over ice cream and donuts and who sits in the front seat. They still fight the same. I mean, they fight a lot, but they fight over why did Dylan get the good case? I don't want to do that deposition. Dylan was supposed to do the court appearance and now he doesn't want to do it. Uh, he dumped a uh, hundred interrogatories on me and he went to Vegas with his friends. So it's different fighting, but it's still, uh, it's great. And uh, I think one of the things that keeps me going is the fact that I get to see my kids growing, learning, 
and becoming better and better at what we do. You're also so lucky because statistically speaking, 90% of the time we'll spend with our kids is in their eight, like first 18 years. That's not the case for you. You get to continue to spend so much time with your kids. And you guys seem to be really, really close, which I love. Well, maybe it's backwards with lawyers because I have to say, <laughs> if there's anything I didn't do perfect, and I did it better than a lot, I tried to catch all of their school programs, and I tried to be there for all the important things growing up, but I wasn't perfect. I missed family vacations or canceled them because of trials. The trial lawyer role has a tremendous responsibility. I taught them that if my clients need me, I have to sacrifice personal things, and they didn't quite understand when I'd miss things or things that I would have liked to have attended that maybe you say, oh, it's not that important. It's a soccer game. But they get well, it now. Yeah, they get it now. But at the time, I, I wish I could have attended every one. So it's good that I, a little bit of makeup, I get yeah. now to make up uh, and spend a lot of time with them. They have such big shoes to fill. How do you feel about that? I feel like they ha they shouldn't look at it that way. I was aggressive. I worked hard. I had something to prove. Everyone said I would never be anything. You didn't go to college. You went to an unaccredited night school. You didn't ever work at a good firm. You didn't have any real mentorship. You, you, know, you're, you didn't do well in school. You didn't do well in law school. So you know, if you look at the logic of that, they might be right. What kept you going? This is the Barbara Walters moment where a tear comes out. I think fear of failure is one thing that were, a lot of people said that I wouldn't amount to anything. Um, I struggled at times growing up. I put myself through school and all those kinds of things. And uh, I always wanted to succeed. I always wanted to prove them wrong. I always wanted to work as hard as I could to do as well as I could. And when I became a lawyer, I looked at it like, wow. I'm a lawyer. I'm I'm really a lawyer, and I wanted to be the best I could. And I mean, you're amazing. So, so far, so good. Yeah. No, you you proved them wrong. Yeah. Good. And how has it been making sure that? Because I feel like I struggle with this. With and my kids are little, but I worry that they won't have the ambition that I have. So, what did you do when they were little to make sure? Because I see your kids; they're still ambitious, and they. You know, they're out there in the world and they're passionate about what they do. And they're not like, oh, well, my daddy made it. I don't have to make it. I'm here to tell you, it's not easy. And you are part of that generation that's, it's very, very common. I would say if they asked, you know, folks your age and with young kids, what is your biggest fear? It's, you know, when parents are successful, the fear is that, I want to give my kids everything I didn't have. I want to give them all the opportunities that I never got and I was jealous. Other kids got them and I didn't. I want them to have the new bicycle. I want them to have the nice cell phone or the nice clothes. We take nice vacations because I want to give that to them and enjoy that with them. But I worry that am I going to ruin them? Are they going to lose their motivation? And the truth is um, what I learned along the way with us with five kids was you give them enough money to do something, to do okay, but not enough money ever to do nothing. You don't buy them everything you want. You work on instilling values in them early on in terms of someone's getting all the nicest, most expensive outfits, but they need to understand the cost of that. And the, is there a value in that? My daughter, I remember in high school, 
wanted to get some really expensive, Michelle, wanted to get really expensive shoes because she was invited to the prom and she was in, I think, 10th grade. And the shoes were like $500, this is some years ago. And I said, I'd never spent $500 on a pair of shoes for me. And she's like, you don't understand. This is for my outfit. And we said, well, I'll tell you what, it's, I don't, it's a waste of money. And it's too much money. You don't need to. But if you want them, we'll buy them. But you have to come work in the office and work it off over summer. We'll pay you whatever it was, like $8 an hour, whatever the going rate was. She said, okay. She worked her ass off the whole summer and didn't pay for the shoes. She still owed more money and she realized, and the shoes were like broken or something. And she was like, that was the worst. First working there so hard for so little money was like horrible. And I didn't even pay off the shoes. I still owe you guys 200 bucks. I was like, yeah. So think about that. So the point is, we never spoiled them. We're not, you're not gonna go buy them a, um, a Porsche when they turn 16. You're not going to give them money to go buy a Louis Vuitton purse because their friend has one. They don't need a new cell phone every time a new one comes out. They have to earn things. They have to work for things. They have to have goals. They have to understand the value of money. They have to work. They have to get jobs. I'll pay for their law school. I'll pay for their college. I'll pay for tutors because education is really important. But at the same time, we're not just you know giving you an allowance so you can go out and buy whatever you want. The allowance was enough to cover necessities and to cover a little something if they saved up. So as a parent, you're constantly looking down the road saying, how is this working? And how are my kids doing? And do I need to pull back a little bit? Do I need to talk to them about something? And the other last of my parenting tips that are important is we believe strongly in keeping our kids close. So right now, at your kid's age, it's no big deal. Right. But And with five kids, when you have them, let's say, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, drugs are coming in, marijuana is coming in, whatever other, the flavor of the month, drugs are coming in, sex is coming in, parties are coming in, and that's what freaks you out the most. What freaks you out, on one hand, you say, okay, I don't want them to lose motivation, but more important, I don't want them doing drugs and going off the deep end. And so you're trying constantly to figure out that's my biggest parenting challenge. So what we looked at and what we felt was when let them hang out as much as possible at our house. Our house was party central. No problem. This is my plan. It's going to drive me insane. No, but you provide the, the chips and you put on you pay for the the sporting event or whatever's on the TV, you give them an environment to be safe. When they turn 16, no driving, keys on the table. You can tell yourself, I'm not going to let them drink until they're 21 and I'm not going to let them do marijuana. Uh, but the reality is they're going to do it. So we would look at it and regulate it, lecture them about it, watch them. But if you watch how they are with their friends, you watch who their friends are, you watch how they interact and you use them as teaching moments and they know they don't have to hide things from you, but you'll talk to them about things. They're also going to not want to disappoint you because you give them trust. So we were always close with them. We weren't unrealistic about what they were doing and what they were going to do, but we had a very honest relationship with them and we tried to lead them to the right path. And the last thing I'll say is we had mandatory family dinners as much as possible, but mandatory once on the weekends and once at a minimum once during the week, cell phones down, looking at each other, talking, and tell me about 
life and tell me about school. And I'll tell you this, if they are doing pretty well in school, maybe with a tutor if they need it, because some of this stuff's really hard for them, but okay in school. And if they play a sport or the girls were into dance or they're really into photography or whatever it is, those two things, decent grades and passionate about anything, most most likely they won't be shooting heroin under the bleachers. Yeah. I, Remember I, it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm scared for, for those days. Now, we don't have enough time to kind of talk about everything. I'm sure you've seen so many changes in the legal space. I'm more curious, what do you think is the future? We worry about our kids, we said, right? Yeah. We worry about the future and how they're going to be and what the world's going to look like for them. At the same time, now I'm the senior statesman, I think, at this thing, these kinds of conferences. I've been practicing almost 37 years. And I worry a bit about the future of law because I think a lot of the younger lawyers are too caught up in the business of law and they're too caught up in making money. This is an honorable profession. We are respected members and should act like respected members of the community. We have a profession where we make a difference in people's lives and we need to be advocates. We need to help people. We need to counsel them. It's not all about money. It's not all about, these aren't widgets. We have human beings, no matter what kind of law you do, that are turning to us for help at a time where they, they generally are pretty low and really need it. And I just try to do what I can to emphasize to the law students and the younger lawyers that be honorable, be respectful, treat each other with civility, and it's, it's better for them in their careers. They'll be more successful if they stop thinking about money and they think about doing a good job and helping people, and it's better for the whole profession in the long term. So I worry about it, but at the same time, I have faith because I come to a conference like Law de Gras and I see so many young, talented lawyers. I see so many people here that I look at them and I think, wow, you're really a good lawyer. You're doing a real good job. You care. I see how well everybody gets along. It's like a family and it brightens me up. It gives me a lot more hope for the future. So I think we're going to be all right. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, we've been trying to sit down and talk for a long time, and I, I'm, I'm glad you gave me the platform. It's like a therapy session. I, I have to lay on the couch and, uh, and tell you all my problems. So it's been great. Thank you so much. Well, hopefully you come back. I'll be back. Thank you to Gary Dordick for everything he shared with us today. If you found this story valuable, please share it with someone you want to see succeed. Subscribe so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review. It goes a long way to help others discover the show.